for yet another bowl game trip to Texas. Texas is who we thought they were. If you want to crown them, go on ahead and crown them. And that actually might be fair because, unfortunately, they are who we thought they were. You are locked on Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen. Go ahead and check us out on every single podcasting platform, visually as well on YouTube. Find me personally at All Day O State. Today, we're partially brought to you by LinkedIn. We all know it's a crapshoot hiring these days. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOn. Call it Terms and Conditions. Do apply. Terms and Conditions applied for this Big 12 championship. And there was never going to be any gray area. It was either going to be a boat race from the beginning or an ugly, dirty, nasty fourth quarter battle. If we would have made it an ugly, dirty, nasty fourth quarter battle, we would have had the advantage, in my personal opinion. But that did not happen. We got boat raced. We were good on coming back this season, but we all knew coming into this game, this was like worst-case scenario. If we get down by 21, eh, there's probably no way we catch up, and that is unfortunately precisely what happened. But Texas is, as Dennis Green would say, who we thought they were. And if you want to go ahead and crown them, you might as well go ahead and crown them because I do actually believe that Texas the Texas that showed up against Texas Tech, the Texas that showed up against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title game, that Texas could win the whole daggone deal. It's common knowledge that this was definitely their best team since 2009. Now, they have the opportunity to go prove that this team is possibly better than 09. Hats off to Steve Sarkeesian, Right. I don't think there's a lot of hooting and holler necessary about this game. It just, it was what it was. And the things that we could not have happen, happen. But Steve Sarkeesian, if you want to talk about chess to checkers, that was a national display of how innovative offensive play calling can completely take away the other team's advantages. Steve Sarkeesian called that game masterfully, right? And it's funny, maybe Gundy tipped his hand uh, earlier in the week when he had made the comment of, you know, we're likely not going to change a whole heck of a lot this late in the season. Neither is Texas, most likely, this late in the season. Steve Sarkeesian said, hold my beer and watch this. They even got a defensive lineman catching touchdowns. The best offenses in the Big 12, as far as creativity, innovation, getting numerical advantages, and, and getting your, your defense to be out of alignment, is KU and Texas. If KU had Texas talent, guys, that's something we should all be afraid of. But when you talk about the CFP Final Four, I do think they, they kind of got it right. Now, there's an argument to be made. That's 100% fair as well. 
but it is technically about the four best teams. What should have happened, right, the right thing to do, just like 2011, there was a right thing to do, which was put Oklahoma State in the national title. This year, it's Florida State. They did get robbed. They did get hosed. But I, I do see the other side. And you guys know that I love to pile on the NCAA whenever they, they invoke stupidity. Now, they did invoke some favoritism here. That's fair. But again, we all knew, no matter what, the SEC champion was always, always, always going to get in. It's just built into basically the bylaws. It's like the, the hidden words in the contracts. It's like the little fine, extra fine print that you have to have a magnifying glass for at the very bottom of the last page. It says, oh, and by the way, we will always put an SEC team in no matter what happens. And technically, they got two in because, you know, Texas and the SEC now considers them an SEC team. So they got two, two teams in. That's the way that they're viewing it. That's the way they're looking at it. And the SEC, though. Right, as, as powerful and as mighty as they are, people tend to forget this season the SEC went seven and nine against Power Five competition. And they also have this fun thing where they play the Citadel or Chattanooga every single year, right before the rivalry game, last last game of the season. So they have built in protections automatically. We know that, which is why the 12 team playoff is gonna help quite a bit. But when it does come down to getting the four best teams in, Florida State's defense is very deserving of being in the CFP Final Four. They are. But is Florida State one of the four best teams with their third string, true freshman, 18-year-old quarterback? Unfortunately, no. And yes, taking injuries of proprietary players into consideration is 100%. In the contract. So everybody knows, and, and let's put this in our perspective as Oklahoma State fan. Let's say that we're, let's say we were 11 to 1. Let's say we beat Texas. If Ollie Gordon goes down, as he did, as he has for the last three games, and they know that uh, the likelihood of him playing the next game is slim to none, then we don't get in either. Right? That's just the nature of the beast. So with Jordan Travis, Florida State shoe in. Good job. But they also beat up an extremely weak ACC. Washington deserves to be in. Texas deserves to be in. Michigan, I mean, you you could maybe make that argument too. Does it send a very good message by the NCAA to forego an undefeated Florida State to allow a team to come in that got caught cheating and we know have been cheating for a while? And if you look at the scores, right, the, the defenses, before it was all found out and made you know national headlining news, teams weren't scoring. And then all of a sudden, teams are able to you know put up 20, 25, 30. And they didn't take that in consideration. So there's two ways that you can view that Florida State got screwed. And it's fair both ways. But at the same time, it's about the four best teams right about now. You know it's Washington. You know it's Texas. And then you can debate between Michigan and Alabama, but they are better than Florida State likely right now with Florida State's quarterback situation. It just is what it is. Texas appears to be back. And, guys, here's the deal. <laughs> um, I'm going to 
find some purple, I guess, and, and root on our former cowboy, Jabbar Muhammad, and the Washington Huskies. But I think Texas legitimately, if they play the way they have the last couple of weeks, they win the national title. And realistically, I know that's not like a great scenario, but if you're going to lose and people are going to be like, yeah, you guys got boat raced by Texas, at least it's nice to sometimes be able to say, yeah, right, the same Texas that beat everybody and won the national title. So I don't know. You guys let me know down in the comments what you say, think about that. Like, are we secretly rooting for Texas or – are we hoping they get dominated? Who else is out there going to root on Jabbar Muhammad and the Washington Huskies? Let me know. But we do still have some MVPs, right? There is still some guys that played very well in this game. So we're going to go over that. And then obviously, you know, Ali was dealing with a, a predicament and we covered it a little bit. And I know Texas had a, a, a little bit of an indication that uh, he wasn't going to be 100% operational. But unfortunately, we saw it on the field. Sometimes you're not able to catch these things, and sometimes you don't have the right employees in the background to make it click when stuff like this comes up. LinkedIn is ranked number one by small businesses for a reason. So make sure you check out LinkedIn Jobs today. They're going to help you get the right professionals for your team faster. And our favorite, oh, free. It's not just your run-of-the-mill job board. LinkedIn has a vast network with more than a billion professionals with a B, baby, which makes it the best place to do any type of hiring. It's easy, and they have all of the best qualified candidates. Matter of fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. Thankfully, the LinkedIn process is intuitive, innovative, quick, and easy. And now we've launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Now, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Again, that is linkedin.com slash college. Go there now to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. When we look at this game, there's still some guys that did more than enough to give us a chance. So we'll go with the tried and true offensive MVP. I think this one pretty much speaks for itself. You know, BP had some things going for him, but this is definitely Rashad Owens. And congrats to Rashad. He had a crud ton of family there. Uh, it was a blast. I'll admit it. Even though it was a boat race taking place, um, I, 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 had a, I had a lot of fun. And shout out to all the, the regulars, a.k.a. the regular leaders out there. I had so many great conversations that it made the fourth quarter a little bit more bearable. But nonetheless, just like that last touch on by Rashad Owens, is it technically lipstick on a pig given what the score is? Yes, but let's all be fair. 49-21 looks a lot better than 49-14, and it gave a little bit of an extra send-off for Rashad Owens, who has not only earned it and deserved it this year, but it's, it's just great to see. So shout-out to Rashad. You're the offensive MVP to me. Um, you go to the defensive side of the ball. I'm sure we can all collectively say this one together. One, two, three. Nick Martin. That's right. Nick Martin clearly looked like he was very prepared for this game. And here's the deal. Texas does have anywhere from, you know, 11 to 17 NFL dudes right here, right now on this roster. That's fair. Good for them. They showed up and they showed out. But Nick Martin looked like he could have easily started on the other side of the field, right? 
we've got some players that are good enough to start at Texas right here, right now. Now, unfortunately, one of those was pretty banged up, which we're about to get to. So, yeah, defensive MVP, Nick Nick Martin, you know, and then just putting your body on the line. That's the definition of what Nick Martin's able to bring to the table, which is precisely why I'm super excited next season for Justin Wright. I think Justin Wright is going to be able to kind of fill that void and do precisely what Xavier Benson was able to do this year, which is eat up all the crazy, direct all the traffic to allow guys like Nick Martin to do their daggone thing. All right, so let's move over to the special teams MVP. And I say this, best for last, right? Guys, without Hudson Cock, this game does look even worse. His very first punt was a little, mm, but every single punt after that, he did precisely what we were asking him to do. He was pinning them in quarters, corners. He was putting enough air on it that our guys were breathing down their necks when they were able to catch the ball. He was able to kind of push and flip the field position or quite a bit. He was able to put us in a position defensively where we can at least have a shot, right? Whenever they take the ball on the plus side of the field, darn near or, or even anywhere near to the 50, they're two plays away from a tutty, right? And that's precisely what we saw some sometimes. But special teams MVP, Hudson Cox, all day, every day. Good job, dude. And here's one of the, the biggest things that I'm excited for when it comes to Hudson. As you know, whenever they kind of you know, forfeit their professional style of rugby career and they go to pro kick, that's all they do is punt. So they learn different ways to handle the ball. You notice he can spin the ball in his hand different ways before he punts. One thing that people haven't been able to see yet, he can roll right and he can roll left and he can punt with both feet you know, equally. And he's an athlete, right? Hudson wants to tackle people. Hudson wants to do fakes. Hudson wants to athletically be mixed up. Hudson wants to put on like 12 pounds. He is an athlete that just so happens to be a punter, right? Usually you get like a Tom Hutton type, which is a specialist that specializes and those funky spins that they kind of teach over there, and it was massively beneficial for Oklahoma State. That probably helped us get Hudson Cock, but Hudson Cock is not Tom Hutton. Hudson Cock's actually willing, able, and wanting to mix it up. He wants to athletically put himself in a position where he can do some cool stuff. So that's a beautiful mind that he has. He doesn't view it precisely from a punting situation. He views it from an athletic situation. I can go right. I can go left. I can go here. I can go there. I can block. I can run. I can lift. I want to hit. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. And so so mark it down. At some point in time in the next few years, Hudson Clark is going to lay some dudes out. Point blank period. He's going to get his Pat McAfee on, and we're going to love it. (laughs) All right. So there's the MVPs. And then we get to Ali. We knew coming to the game, he was hovering in that 75-ish percent range. And as we had seen the last couple weeks, you can kind of rest him up. You can put him through some physical therapy, rehab type stuff throughout the course of the week instead of putting a big load on him. And then you can wrap it up with 73,000 pounds of tape before the game, and he's fine. But you could clearly see he had limitations. When he would bust through, He didn't have that extra gear. And as we've had previous conversations on this very show with guys like Tatum Bell and Reggie White, 
one of the things that separates Ollie Gordon for most everybody else, one of the reasons he's clearly the best running back in college football right now is because of his jump cut after the jump cut, right? The jump cut in and of itself is is impressive. His jump cut is reminiscent of Adrian Peterson. Am I comping him to Adrian? No, you guys have already heard my comp, okay? Not there, not that. But my comp for him is B. John Robinson. But he has that, that, you know, that shift, that automatic thing that only the greats can do. But what separates him is what he can do after the jump cut. It's a, it's a beautiful, fluid, transitive jump cut, but the difference between Ollie and most everybody else is that the minute his feet touch the ground off of a jump cut, he's already able to excel. With that size, that's definitely not normal. So off of a jump cut, he makes Justice Hill, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Warren stuff happen. Jalen Warren. But he's the size of a linebacker. So that's the beauty of Ollie. If he doesn't have that instantaneous jump cut explosion, he's not the same running back, unfortunately. And that is what we saw at Texas. That's one of his biggest weapons. It's like Allen Iverson's you know, famous crossover. He has that at his disposal, but if he can't cut and plant hard as all get out to quickly get out of the gate off of the jump cut, he's limited in his explosiveness speed-wise. So Texas did a phenomenal job, but um, let's face facts. We're dealing with a, um, an injured Ollie. And then again, very, very early in the first quarter, he took a pretty pretty wild hit from a couple dudes on the sidelines. Not a dirty hit. It was a good hit. Uh, but you could tell somebody landed right on that ankle. It took him quite some time to get off the field, and then he didn't play for, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. But here's the beauty. If we know, and we do know, that at least one of these offensive linemen are 100% returning, I think we got a couple more as well. Um, I've heard one, one, one negative Ollie situation. The Everyone else is all still very positive and high on the Ollie stuff, so I think we're, we're, we're good there. Ceci, Ceci Lahey came in, and, you know, he had a couple crucial third downs. He had a couple catches that proved we're going to be in pretty good hands. He's clearly got to have a little bit more of a body-by-glass system because we got Rodney Fields coming in next year. So we're going to have two scat-back style of dudes plus Ollie Gordon. Now, crazy things could happen. You know people are going to dump bags and bags and bags upon Ollie, but from what I'm hearing, we're 95.9% good to go. We're in the same percentile in the offensive line department. What does that mean? It means that we need to recognize this year was probably Gundy's best coaching performance. We need to realize that the um, the position that we were in after the 2-2 two and two start, 90% of the time, you're, you're staring down maybe a 500 season. Teams don't turn around like this. So, again, we were playing with house money. Would we have all loved uh, an ugly, dirty, nasty, close fourth quarter game? Of course. But that's also why we should give credit where credit is due. Steve Sarkeesian made Casey Dunn look like he was playing checkers. Like, the innovation, offensively, play-calling-wise, was 
just amazing by Texas. Sometimes you got to tip your cap. So instead of hooting and hollering about, well, our offense wasn't great. It wasn't. Steve Sarkeesian showed us what a top-notch offense looks like. And Brian Nardo, we're going to save, we're going to save a little bit of that real quick, actually. So let's talk about Brian Nardo, okay? Because it was a little bit rough. It might have been a little bit rough for you if you laid some money down on the Cowboys over the weekend, but it's okay. We have opportunities to kind of get back in the fold. And if you've been watching some of the NFL, which you guys know, I'm done. I don't really get super into the NFL. I follow all the OSU guys. So I'll watch Steelers games. I'll watch Ravens games. Um, I'll watch you know some of the other Lions games and things of that nature. But the NFL is pretty cool right now. Like there's a lot of nine and three, ten and two teams, so it's a pretty wild race. So it gives you the opportunity to maximize, capitalize on dollar dollar bills. Right now, our new customers are getting one hundred fifty dollars back in bonus bets with any five dollar winning money line bet. Again, that's one hundred and fifty bones back in your pocket if your team wins off of that money line bet. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's not a better time to get in the action. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. You already know there's a bunch of things you can rock and roll with, like player props, over-unders, spreads, Heisman. Who's going to win the conference championships in the NFL? Who's going to win the divisional stuff? Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to capitalize on your money-making season in the NFL because FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. All right. Brian Nardo, my guy. Don't stress. That was, again, you can think you're prepared for that level of an offense, but this is one of those few times this season that I do think that he got just outclassed, outmatched, didn't know what to do. I'm not super concerned because I think that this was a learning moment for Brian Nardo. I would imagine that throughout the course of this process, he was probably taking notes like, oh, crap, never seen that before. Okay, cool. Oh, goodness, never seen that happen before. Oh, okay, we were two inches shy here, four inches shy here. What can I do to make minor adjustments? Because, again, if you go back and watch that game, one of the biggest things that stood out to me was they did not dominate the initial point of contact. They didn't. I mean, their D-line is very, very good. But shout out to the O-line because you didn't get blown backwards. Like, you go back and watch the highlights. That didn't happen. They were not dominating and just you know, blowing our guys backwards like you typically see out of some Texas teams. Like, if you look at Texas Tech, they had no chance. Their O-line had zero chance to stop anything that was happening. Our line actually did a pretty good job. Like, if I were to grade the line, I'd legitimately give them at least a B minus. So, this wasn't an O line issue. And I don't even necessarily think it was a D line issue. It was just we would legitimately get very, very close when we would get pressure and Quinn would roll out for several instances where our linebackers or D line would, would jump to try to bat the ball down. And you could like freeze frame it, pause it, and just see barely going over their fingertips. But once it did and it got in the hands of guys like Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, it was a 20, 30, 40-yard play. 
Same with some of the sacks. Like we got our fingertips on Quinn Ewers. We just weren't quite there. That I would say that's the story of this game. And the ironic thing there is that's the same story of 2021, right? We were just six inches shy of a title. Well, we were far more than six inches shy this time, but most of the big plays by Texas were just we barely missed. Like they had one play where Xavier busted down the sideline. And we had two guys. I think it was Xavier and Nick. Uh, it might have been probably a DB. Anyways, we had two guys that or look. Oh, Trey Rucker was there. It looked like they had the angle. It looked like between our two guys, one of them was going to be able to push him out of bounds. And then by the time they got there, it was fingertips, and he was gone. So again, it's it's not like, you know, that they, they were just head and shoulders thirty thousand times better. It was those little extra ticks of speed, extra ticks of power, extra ticks of time in the pocket. With a team that fast and that talented, you got to limit the time that they get. And we, we weren't able to do that. We gave them time, and they made Brian Nardo pay. But that's okay. Because Brian Nardo, I do not think, is your run-of-the-mill defensive coordinator. I think from a, a cerebral standpoint... He's going to write all this stuff down. He's going to go back to the lab. And the next time we see a defense this phenomenal, let's just call a spade a spade, or an offense this, this amazing, I think he'll be more prepared. I really do. Right? So everybody just chill out a little bit. Brian Nardo, he did some wonderful, wonderful things this season. He's have, we have a super young defense. Guys, we got to remember one point in time in that game, we had like four defensive freshmen on the field at the same time making plays. And we very well could still get Corey Black back another year. Trey Rucker, I think, is gone, but maybe not. I don't know how he can get another year, but I've heard there's a possibility. I guess it's kind of like the Bowman situation, like previous injuries from years ago or something to that effect. But we're still pretty deep at safety. The corners did play fairly well. Again, we weren't completely getting dominated. We were just a few ticks off here and there. And those few ticks against that kind of team, they only need small windows, which is, again, why, guys, if you look at the offenses in the CFP Final Four, is Washington's offense better than that Texas? Probably not. Is Bama's offense better? No. Just go ask Auburn. Is Michigan's offense better? Absolutely not. And then they have all of these dudes on defense, and they have all of this ability to shut down people's running games. So God help Michigan if they face Texas. I think Washington actually does stand a better chance than Bama and Michigan, being 100% realistic. So if they get past Washington, I think the national title game is actually going to be somewhat simplistic for them. They're not going to boat race it, but I'm not stressed about Brian Nardo. I, I don't think you know this is going to be a Casey Dunn situation where the next time we see this again, we're, we know we're screwed. It is what it is. I think Brian, Brian Nardo did a lot of good things this year. His recruiting acumen is phenomenal. And once again, I think he's the type of guy 
take all this stuff and, and learn ways to use it to his advantage next time. All right, y'all. You know I love you. I think that's all we're going to have for this one right here. As always, God bless. Go Pokes. Thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Make sure you go leave a like, subscribe. Most importantly, share the daggone thing. Comment down in the comment section what you think about the CFP Final Four situation. We didn't even necessarily talk about Georgia, but let me know what you think. All right, y'all. Later, taters.